If we can't talk to each other, we're not gonna make it. Sometimes I feel like I, I, I've been on more than I can chew. Most of the time, I work in a glass jar and lead a very uneventful life. A face full of glass hurts like hell when you're in it. That's weird. That glass looks half full to me. Eating glass. Eating glass and staring into the abyss. Glass? Who gives a shit about glass? Who the fuck is this? It's kind of part of our culture to eat glass. Gotta get some safety goggles next time. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>Hey everybody and welcome to Chewing Glass, the show where we talk to developers building in the Solana ecosystem. Today I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Armani Ferrante. Um, and we're here to talk about his experience uh, building in Solana. What's up, Armani? Hey Chase, how's it going? Oh, uh, not too bad, man. Um, so, I mean, we've known each other for quite a while. We have a pretty uh, pretty good relationship. We have a nice ship posting relationship on Twitter as well. So it's it's been really uh, it's been a really good time. I really like this show is really about just talking to developers and like their sort of experience building on Solana. Like it's called chewing glass. That's not fully the case anymore. But um, like we're gonna start from the beginning here and sort of just dive into like where you got started. Um, like. Where, where did Armani come from before he existed on Solana? Yeah, so um, kind of had a relatively kind of normal path into crypto. He kind of graduated from UC Berkeley, graduated and um, majored in computer science, um, started my career kind of just in Silicon Valley working in big, big tech. Uh, I was working in Apple, um, working on apps and frameworks there. Um, and then that was kind of during the whole like big... Um, boom uh, cycle in 2017 um, on Ethereum and kind of like slowly kind of made my way into crypto after kind of seeing that um, that bull market and kind of reading the Ethereum white paper and learning about Solidity and learning about these like kind of distributed ledger technologies and uh, kind of long story short, kind of just left my job at Apple. My managers were all confused and they kind of, it was kind of funny at the time. They were like saying like, oh yeah, are you afraid that you like missed the, you missed the bull market? Like, you know, why, why are you doing this? Like you can make, you know, you can make plenty of money, money here or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it seems pretty cool. It seems more interesting than what's happening here. Um, so I just kind of like took the leap. I had like no plan whatsoever. I didn't have a job lined up. Um, and so it was like kind of a, an awkward situation. I just kind of like left my job and started like contributing to like open source, <laughs> uh, which was like super like liberating and tons of fun and just like such a breath of fresh air from like kind of working at like, you know, evil corp um, <laughs> uh, as my manager used to call, as my manager used to call Apple. Um, and, and kind of like, you know, um, slowly kind of made my way into crypto from there. Um, and then kind of, you know, been working on various kind of parts in the crypto ecosystem, spent some time uh, working on in, in Ethereum, working on some state channel technology, um, spent some time at Oasis Labs working on their kind of WASM runtime uh, there. And then um, most recently kind of have just been um, in the Sonic ecosystem, I guess for a little over the past two years now, kind of um, working on stuff all over the place. Uh, yeah, so I want to like jump back to like what you were actually doing when you were at Apple, like like sort of like leading up to that transition into Web three. Like, were you were you building on Rust? Were you like were you building low level? Like, what were you actually doing there at Apple? Apple's kind of like a weird place because it's a very old company, and so the technologies that you use there are kind of um, just there by virtue of path dependency and history. So everything in terms of like this tech stack was just like all internal like Apple technology. So things like basically everything was like an Objective C and C. Um, even at the time, like Swift, like 
publicly it was like the hot new thing, um, but nobody was actually like using Swift internally. Maybe there's like a couple widgets like on the iPhone or whatever that were using Swift. Uh, but basically everything was just like Objective C um, and like you know. You know, you have these like code bases that are just like decades old. Um, you have like you know SQLite management and just like raw C code. There's like no like um, you know garbage collector. A lot of like manual memory management and just like a lot of like cruft basically that made kind of like working there like not super fun because like you're working on like all these proprietary like uh, like old kind of pieces uh, of technology that like kind of aren't being used like normally in the outside world. Um, and I guess that's like kind of the story for like a lot of big tech companies, like Google's kind of famous for this type of thing. Um, but yeah, I was working on apps and frameworks there. I worked on stuff like um, like calendar, um, reminders, event kit, um, contacts, um, and just worked on like the apps that's um, kind of shipped like out of the box with the iPhone and, and the, the Mac. Cool. Yeah, so you started to talk a little bit about like the the evolution. Like, I guess like you had you had started contributing to open source on Ethereum, and then like like my first like experience knowing who you were was around the time that uh, the Solet wallet like came out. Like that was like the first wallet on Solana. Is is was that sort of like the main thing that you were focused on at the time? Whenever you sort of jumped in to um, to the ecosystem. So yeah, it's a good question. I think Solid is an interesting story because when I came to Solana, it was I think September, uh, it was like mid-September uh, 20, 2020 now. Um, and there wasn't that much kind of there at the moment. I think like Solid, Solid existed, um, Serum existed, there was Break, that was like a big thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Basically Solid and Serum were the only two kind of like open source kind of pieces of, of code. Um, and so um, I kind of like, randomly, like, not, not so randomly, I kind of like accidentally fell into this like role of like kind of contributing to Solid because like the ecosystem needed all this like random stuff. So like a good example of this, if you like hop back in time and like think about oh, what was like, um, you know, some of the problems being solved on Solana at the time, um, even like before Anchor and stuff, there was this like, you know, nightmare uh, of a user experience that we had with things like token accounts. Um, so, you know, if you wanted to send a token from like me to you, um, today it's like pretty simple, right? I like go into my, my my wallet, I copy and paste my soul address and I send it to you. Um, and you know, that's all said and done. Um, but back then, um, you had not a single address, but you actually had like N addresses for N token accounts. So if you had uh, you know, um, Serum or wrapped Uniswap or or Soul or or Mango tokens, um, each one of those would be like a different address. You'd have a different token account. Um, pub key, basically. Um, and so if I wanted to send a token from me to you, I'd say, oh, what token do you have? And then not only what token do you have, like what address do you have? So then you would like open up the wallet, go to the line item, pluck out the pub key. And then there's the question of like, oh, but there's two pub keys, right? There's like this thing called a mint and there's this thing called a like it like a like a token account. Like what's the difference? Well it's like I don't know the, the, the mint like defines the token and the token account is like kind of your personal representation of your balance in that token account. There's all these details, right? Um, and it's really funny at the time because like I think like even like a lot of the folks that were like kind of really close to Solana, like the Solana core team and stuff, they didn't really think it was much of a problem. There's like, oh yeah, you know, it's like to UI. Of course they didn't fix it. Right? They did it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, and eventually, you know, enough people complained about this, um, right? Enough people were like sending tokens to the wrong addresses or just getting confused with this horrible UX that um, eventually the 
associated token program existed. Um, and so this was like a really huge, it sounds stupid now, but at the time it was a really big leap in UX for Solana, this like concept of like being able to use deterministic addressing um, for token accounts so that you could not have like N token, not have N addresses, but a single sole address. Um, and so we were kind of like learning this stuff, I think collectively at the application layer. Maybe the core team like kind of knew all this intuitively. I, I assume Anatoly like knew all this intuitively, but at least us at like the application layer were kind of like stumbling upon these like ideas. Um, and so like Solit was a good example of that because it was like one of the first implementations, maybe the first implementation of this. Um, and so kind of... Um, uh, there's a lot of like examples of this where it's like, well, Solit was like the only open source uh, wallet in the ecosystem, and in order to like you know evolve um, as a community or as a developer community, um, you know, a lot of folks, including myself, would just like um, you know uh, maintain that and, and and add these new features so that we can have like good examples on how to do all this stuff. The funny story about all of this is that I worked for another blockchain project called Ken, and in late 2020, they were migrating to Solana. And as I'm testing all this stuff out, I started messaging um, like the internal team because we I talked to like Dan Albert and a lot of guys at the labs and foundation, and I was like, hey, all these wallets do not work right. Like I can't, like people are losing money. Like not only that is like, if you sent one token, sometimes it would have multiple of the same token in the same account. Sometimes there was nested like token account within a token account. And like, it was just absolute hell. And that was really when I started like paying attention to Solana at the time. So I remember those painful days. And I, I was even, I even remember for some reason sending Dan a message like, hey, like even Solit, like I can't send to the main address. I have to send to a specific token account. Nobody's ever going to use this except like five of us. So can we please fix this? And then the exchanges had the same issues. And like it was, I'm so glad that that's resolved. That was a really dark time, like <laughs> for a lot of people because it was just such a challenging UX. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy, but I, I think it was just are part of the nature of, of being early in the ecosystem because there wasn't really just that many people. There's like a handful of people that knew how to actually build this stuff and were like willing to like read the SPL token program and willing to like go look at the validator code and stuff like that. Um, and so like the, there was like, you know, a couple people doing all this stuff, right? You know, there's like working on Solid, working on, on, on the smart contracts, um, working on things like, you know, um, like developer tooling and, and what later became Anchor. Um, and there just wasn't any, like there wasn't capital, there wasn't teams in the space and all that was kind of just, just starting. Um, but just having those like pieces, small pieces of open source code, like Solid specifically, just like it, that itself birthed um, just like tons of wallets in the ecosystem. Like I've spoken with both the Soulflare and Phantom team about this. Um, and both wallets heavily, heavily use that code. Um, even if you like go look into Phantom today and like send a, uh, send a token uh, from one account to like a totally new account, um, you'll see it use some like obscure program um, uh, which will, uh, and you're like, oh, what is this program? It's out of nowhere, right? But that's from the Solit code base because there was like a smart contract that was written because everybody was paranoid at the time of like sending tokens in, into the ether. Um, and so there was this like program that would assert that like the owner of the token account being created um, was actually a system uh, program owned address, which means like a human actually owned it um, because there was this like flow basically when associated token accounts um, were introduced to basically um, lazily instantiate the account for the user, right? Um, because you know, on Solana, that's kind of how things work. You have to, like, you know, uh, you know, malloc, so to speak, your uh, your accounts before you can actually write data to them. Um, and so, there's a bunch of like small things like this, where if you actually go look at like what a lot of the software is doing today, it's all the same stuff that kind of originated from those kind of open examples. Yeah, and like that's absolutely like incredible to see that evolution. And um, like 
obviously, again, just like that, that sort of inspiration of people just like building on top of things just continues today. Like whenever it was so hard and like you had just got into Solana, let's talk about like early um, 2021, that was a problem. All this token stuff you're talking about, like UX was horrible. There weren't really any apps yet. It was still just like, what's going on here? Like what made you like want to continue like driving that forward? You know, like Ethereum obviously existed. Um, there were obviously, there's trade-offs on both sides, but like what made you be like, I'm going to actually invest this much time into this thing because what? Because it was cool? Because like you saw the future of it? Like what was it? Yeah, so um, I mean, the answer to that is like pretty subtle. Uh, I would say it's like a combination of various things that are like more or less like good and bad. Um, you know, the, sure, the developer experience sucked. There wasn't anybody, you know, using it. But you would take a look at things like Break. You would take a look at things like Serum, um, and they were like above and beyond like anything at the time. Um, and you know, up until then, there was so much. There was a whole wave of basically L ones that had gotten funding and gotten started um, during the 2017 uh, bull cycle because Ethereum wasn't able to like fulfill its promises, right? Ethereum at the time um, had this like huge, huge like, you know, um, narrative of like being this world computer of decentral this thing that's going to power decentralized apps. Um, and, you know, Vitalik at the time was saying, oh yeah, things are going to be, we're going to have a million transactions per second um, and all this stuff, right? But all that stuff didn't happen. Um, and so there was all of this, um, and I'm not like, you know, saying anything like bad about any people at the time. It's just like, you know, these things are hard, right? Um, and so kind of, there was this huge wave of L1s that got funded um, to kind of satiate that appetite, right? Um, and there's a bunch of them, right? There's like, you know, Solana was one of those. Um, uh, all the names just like go out of my head now because they're like kind of forgotten. Near <laughs> Avalanche, uh, Oasis, Thunder. Um, uh, what's the one with the D? Definity. Um, there's just like, the list goes on and on, right? There's all these people that came and promised to like save the world from slow transaction processing and be the L1 to rule them all. Um, but Solana was really the first one to actually ship, ship super fast and show that it was like possible to get like one to two orders of magnitude improvements. Um, and, and so that was like kind of like the second thing. Um, and then, you know, you start like, you know, going along the ecosystem, you start meeting all the people in the space. And um, it was very clear to me that like, you know, some of the people were just like really amazing people. And I think that's like really some of the magic um, that is really not talked about enough. I think like one thing I really loved about the Ethereum ecosystem, at least amongst like the core Ethereum people, like Vitalik and the, the core researchers and like the core like systems engineers that work on the validator clients, is that they're all like really nice people. <laughs> they're all, they're just like super friendly and super easy to talk to. Um, and like, you know, I, I remember like in, when was it? Like 2018, I was like nobody, like nobody knew who I was. So I was just like some engineer that was like trying to like find his way in, in crypto. And they're all just like super nice, right? They would like, they would like open or they would merge in your PRs. You could talk to them in person. You could just like go up and say hi. And I think like there's not a lot of L1s for which that's true. Um, and I think Solana is like definitely one of those. I think like you hear a lot of people say this, but like people just like, like be kind, right? Like Austin, from Solana Foundation will say that all the time. Anatoly will say that all the time when people are getting like in, in fights on Twitter that, you know, are maybe getting a bit personal. He'll kind of always like say, be kind, don't call people maximalists and things of that nature. Um, and like, I think like that's like a big part of it. Like it might sound silly, um, but I think that's like, it's it, it's 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 definitely like a necessary requirement, I think, at least um, for for me to spend as much time I do, you know, kind of doing this stuff with, with these people, um, so I think that was like definitely a big part of it. And the rest, 
um, is kind of just like, you know, you, you have all those things, you know, you like working on this tech, you like working with the people, um, you see a big opportunity and that like we're in the kind of the wild west of this like nascent technology. And it seems like kind of like a once in a lifetime opportunity to, um, you know, go, go into the deep end and go all in there. So that's kind of like the thought process, maybe, maybe not fully the thought process, but I think like captures a good chunk of it. Um, and so, yeah, that's maybe at least the genesis of kind of why I got so into Solana um, and why I stayed. Well, yeah, man, that's cool. Uh, I think what you just said, pretty much the TLDR is like came for this tech, stayed for the vibes. And like, and you say that sounds a little bit sort of silly, but it's not because this is actually the story of almost every developer I talk to. Like they come here for this sort of like this cool tech and they see a lot of builders and then they get on Twitter or wherever and then they start to get all this support and love. Even if you do something small, people are just like, yo, dude, nice job. You shipped a hello world. Like in that sort of like vibe, it started with Tolly and Raj in the beginning and then it came down to Austin and myself and you. And then like people just want to be part of that and like, and it's a really good thing. And I think it's probably one of the biggest strengths of like Solana Foundation, Solana the blockchain, Solana Labs in general is it's just like, this whole thing is now community owned and run and like, it's really awesome. Describe building on Solana in early 2021 versus now. Um, like obviously you sort of like highlighted a couple sort of granular details, but like just like at a high level generally, like obviously back then a lot of things didn't exist. We can get into Anchor in a bit, but like between like what is, what's the difference between then and now, like with all the things that have been built out there? Yeah, the word I would use to describe it would just be cumbersome. And the reason for that was basically there was no code generation um, at all. Um, and there's a lot of unique kind of idiosyncrasies in the Solana programming model relative to kind of other, you know, developer platforms um, that make the code generation really, really important. Um, and so, yeah, I think that is like that is the main thing. Um, and there's like a lot of re- like details and, and reasons for that. I'm happy to like jump into that. But um, it was definitely it was very heavy. Um, and so, anytime you wanted to do like a little thing, like if you wanted to change, add a feature to a smart contract or add a button that performed a new action, um, you would have to go through lots of laborious and tedious work just to make that happen. Um, and then code generation in Anchor was basically the solution to a lot of that. Yeah, still, I say this often in different conversations and talks and stuff, but I still to this day do not understand how those early folks actually were able to build anything like when all they existed with the core documentation. I know a lot of the answer ended up being going into the developer discord and like getting direct access to like the Solana Labs engineers. That was like really the only way to do it because otherwise it's like, I would be funny when I first started as like the DevRel here, no examples existed. Actually, I used to point people to Solit who asked how to do certain things. And I was like, go here because we're still working on like examples for how to do these things. But for now, this is probably one of the best places to go. Like if you asked the core engineer at the time, they would be like, just go look at the tests. And I'm like, dude, we, that can't be our pitch here. <laughs> nobody, um, but if you wanted to get into like some of those details, that's fine. And like, and beyond that, like maybe describe and I'm assuming the answer is already the question I posed is like what led to like the whole evolution of like, hey, I'm going to build Anchor. Um, yeah, so I, I think both those are like 
that's one segues into the other quite nicely. So if you think of the Solana, the raw low-level Solana programming model without any tooling, what does it look like? Um, so from the smart contract side, you basically get a single entry point um, with with three three parameters. So you get a program ID, um, you get a list of accounts or a slice of accounts, um, and then thirdly, you get um, instruction data, and that's it. You get a single function, and with that single function, you have to build your your program. Um, you have to interpret the bytes. For the instruction data, um, you have to interpret the bytes, or you have to, for the account, um, you have to do all the account validation, um, destructure the uh, data, um, and do any type of relational constraint enforcement um, all by yourself. And and this is kind of like the starting point for for, for building on, on Solana. Um, and if you compare this to something like Solidity or something like ExpressJS or Ruby on Rails or whatever, um, it's you know it's very different um, in, in the in the sense that like people aren't really used to to this like kind of you know single function like entry point, right? Normally there's abstractions built on top of this, right? Um, so in something like Solidity, um, you have you know your 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 Solidity contract and you have a function or a method uh, for each for each entry point, right? Um, and you would just call those functions. Um, from a client, and it, it's pretty straightforward, right? Express.js or a REST API, exact same thing, right? You always have some some URL that maps to some function, um, and then that is like your, um, you know, your handler for you know the the state transition function. Um, but Solana didn't have any of these abstractions, right? So when you would write a smart contract, you would have this entry point, um, and what would you do? And you would basically do the exact same thing for every single smart contract uh, before you would ever actually do anything that would be unique or novel or new. So what would you do? You would first um, take the instruction data and have some type of dispatch function where you would map, you know, some, um, you know. Single byte or four byte or eight byte discriminant um, to some function. So you would have you know the first four bytes. You would chop it off, um, and then you would say, all right, byte zero. If it's zero, go to this function. If it's if it's one, go to this function. If it's two, go to this function. If it's three, go to this function, and so on and so forth. And then not only would you do that, but then you would take the rest of the data, um, and then you would interpret that as some structured byte, some parameters basically. Um, and so you know you might pass in a string, you might pass in a U64, you might pass in a struct, uh, an array. Whatever it might be, um, and and so that you would have some instruction dispatch, and that's like pretty straightforward. But then the thing that makes Solana um, uh, unique and, and, and challenging is this account model. So um, once you cap, get past instruction dispatch, you now have to um, deserialize all of the accounts. So for people listening, if you've never programmed on Solana before, an account is basically a piece of data that's owned by a program, um, and that only that program can update that data, but any other program can like read that data. Um, and this makes the programming model really challenging because what it means is that you basically have a bunch of untrusted data being injected into your program at runtime, which basically means that you have to do a bunch of safety checks um, before doing anything with that data. Because you could imagine, like, if you have, I don't know, some program, that some escrow program that says, like, oh, if Chase signed it, then send the money to here. Um, well, like, an attacker can come in and, and pretend to be Chase and say, okay, well, like, I'm not Chase, but I'm going to pretend to be Chase and sign it, and then send the money to not Chase's account, but to my account. Right, so you have to check these types of things. Um, and so the programming model is really annoying because you'd have to do all this stuff, right? You'd have to deserialize the instruction data, you have to deserialize the account data, and then you'd have to do checks 
checks on all of the accounts to make sure that you know whatever um, you know requirements or invariants that needed to be enforced were indeed enforced. Um, and this basically, if you just like go look at the SPL. Um, uh, Solana Labs slash um, Solana Program Library on GitHub, you'll just basically see all this stuff being done. It's just like hundreds of lines of code, uh, maybe thousands of lines of code, depending on like what program you're looking at, for just like crazy amounts of just like boilerplate that like no sane human being should do. Um, and once you write a couple <laughs> of like Solana programs, you like realize this is like kind of ridiculous and, and silly and like we should have code generation because like code generation is kind of like the obvious thing to do. Um, and this is all only on the runtime side, right? It's only the smart contract. On the client side, you have the exact same problems. So not only do you have to do this up with a smart contract, but you have to do the exact same thing, but you have to do it inside of your TypeScript library or your Swift library or your Java library or whatever it might be. Um, and so um, you have to you know, do all the serialization, all the unpacking, all the method creation. You have to do all this stuff all inside of TypeScript, let's say, um, which is fine and dandy. Okay, we can do this. This is all heavy lifting, um, but it's like it's not heavy lifting. It's just like it just cumbersome, right? It's, it's not like necessarily rocket science. It's just um, all distracting you from actually solving real important problems, right? Um, and so you can do all this, and maybe you say, "Great, like you know, I can do all this. I can ship a smart contract." Um, it was painful, but not that painful. Um, and we can like maybe move on with our lives. Um, once you do this a couple of times, you have some nice patterns. Um, but then the moment you try to do something like change or modify um, some piece of code, like let's say you like reorder an account, that's like a really common one that used to be really painful, or used to change the order of like instruction parameters or change the type or whatever. If you do ever do that, then you have to go through the entire stack to go through the client. You have to go through the smart contract, and for every method, you have to now redo. You have to, you have to update it all. Right, and then once you do this a couple of times and times, and you spend an entire day debugging a, a single thing like reordering an instruction argument or reordering an account, at that point you just fucking rage quit, and you're just like, I'm done. Like I, I I'm not doing. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I'm not doing this anymore. Um, Solana, GG. Like good luck, guys. Like I'm out. And and this is just. I'm just talking about this purely from the productivity point of view. And if you you know, start thinking about this from the perspective of, oh, I'm managing millions or billions of dollars, um, the story gets even more daunting and, and more dire, right? And this is basically what happened with 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 me and Anchor. Um, I, you know, had all of these, I was writing some smart contracts um, and, um, you know, I was, was really just like fed up with the programming model. I was really just tired of it. So I was just really just felt like it was just like, Hard and nobody, no sane person's going to use this. Um, but you know, I had a task to do, so I did the task right, and I was like, "All right, great, it's done." Um, and then eventually, you know, I, um, you know, I, I start um, explaining it to somebody um, and, and going through the code with them. And somebody says, "Oh, um, have you thought of this? And how do you handle this situation where like one account type is passed in for another account type? This is like account substitution attack that's like really common, and everybody knows about this nowadays." Um, and as soon as that was introduced to me, I was like, "Oh my god, fuck this shit! I'm never doing this ever again. Like, I'm either going to stop everything I'm doing and fix this, or I'm just going to like not do this anymore." Um, and yeah. because my view is like, if, if this wasn't, if nobody did this, nobody was going to like use Solana. It was like kind of my view at the time. And if nobody's going to use Solana, then like, why am I doing any of this? Um, and so I kind of viewed the most like high value thing for me to do at the time was like to just go down the path of building Anchor. And that was kind of like what led me to do that, which basically it was like the justification. It was like existential crisis. Is this how I describe it? Um, well, you just led us through a very deep thought process to get through there. So, like, it's still super interesting. Like, most of our most most of our viewers here on Chewing Glass are like technical. So, like, this is the whole purpose of this. But like, talk about like what was hard about Solana and like 
again, like I don't think we're in like a chewing glass moment anymore. Actually, here's the way that I sort of like think about it. There are glass chewers. There's the Noahs and there's the Armanis and then these people that want to chew glass. So truly other people don't really have to. And we've reached this world where like, Anchor exists and people love it. Now we're receiving even further abstractions, even though I sort of have some uh, little disagreements online, whether like a Python built on Anchor or a TypeScript sort of framework should exist. Um, we'll, we'll see that in the future, how that works out. But regardless of that, like with Anchor, we have indexers, we have like better wallets, we have all these things like what is missing now? If like we're going to continuously improve developer experience on Solana, like what are the big like things in your mind that are missing that we don't have that people still sort of like suffer through today? Oh, that's a great question. So I don't know. I don't think this list is going to be all encompassing, but there's a couple things that come to mind. One of them we're like actively working on. Um, others we are not. Um, so the first thing is um, so Anchor kind of was like I think a, a step function in terms of like. Uh, program safety. Like we hear this a lot when talking with auditors, like the programs that are written in Anchor and not written in Anchor. It's like night and day in terms of like which how many how many vulnerabilities there are. Um, I actually think we can make it even better. And so what we we've I've been working on and designing with Henry um, Elder, um, who's now working on Anchor full time, um, is this new way of doing um, declarative account constraints where all of the constraints are actually in the types themselves. Um, and so if you're like used to Anchor, you're, 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 you know you have this like derive um, account struct where you specify accounts um, with some nice types on them that do some checks, but then all of the checks that aren't in the types, you actually declare through uh, raw constraints um, where you can have, have some Rust code to do basically some if statements, but like do it declaratively inside of a, ma a macro. Um, I actually think we can level that up a bit um, and to basically... Eliminate ninety nine percent of okay, maybe I don't know the exact number that no I pull that number kind of out of thin air um, but we could eliminate I think a lot more attacks um, and do it through a good type system um, and so this is one thing that I'm super super excited for it's really hard to do this um, it's a lot of work it's a lot of design work it's a lot of like rewriting a lot of like the core anchor constraint code um, but I think it'll be like well worth the effort um, but once we do that I think the programming model will be in a spot where I think it's like if you compare this on a programming model with this kind of new type of um, anchor account validation, um, I think it'll be like pretty close to like some of the best like smart contract tooling like in um, any blockchain ecosystem. Um, so I'm pretty excited uh, for it. Yeah. Well, damn. Okay. Well, that sounds exciting. Um, but that that's kind of like what we're immediately working on. I think like the second thing that I'm like super excited for, which we're not currently working on, which I think like maybe we should work on it or maybe somebody else should work on it, is moving to um, interfaces. I think this is um, maybe a debated topic um, because, you know, I think the on the one hand, you don't want to move to interfaces because maybe you think of things like more securely. Um, like, you know, it's nice having a single token program. It's nice having a single like um, token metadata program because like you can reason about security like better. Um, but on the other hand, I think it's like limiting innovation and it creates a bunch of unnecessary, unnecessary governance like battles um, within the ecosystem. And so I think moving the programming model and moving all the protocols to um, instead of like having ordained programs that like our NFTs on Solana or our tokens on Solana, we just have interfaces. And if you want to create your own like competitor to like the SPL token program or to Metaplex, you can. Um, and I think that will be unleash a lot of innovation as well. Although I think people might disagree with me on this, 
But I think that is something that would be a, a really killer um, upgrade to the ecosystem um, in terms of the developer experience and what the stuff developers are doing. Yeah, I mean, there's a handful of people out there um, that are that are really sort of trying to drive that and like also try to bring like a similar sort of Web 2e experience to Web 3. I think we're a little bit off on that on Solana right now, but I feel like it's coming. Um, just to sort of shift gears, um, we're talking about developer experience. You're working on some things. We're talking about Coral, um, Backpack, XNFTs. Like, what is the future? And like, how does this do, do relate to improving developer experience or just like make or not even maybe developer experience, but like, what does it enable? Like, what what does the future look like for this whole like idea? Yeah. So um, maybe it's good to start from like the bottom and work and work up. So like, what we've started this like whole journey over the past like six months. Um, I'm doing is we basically started with this like desire to build full stack decentralized applications by tokenizing code. So kind of the starting point for a lot of this stuff that we're working on now is this concept of this new XNFT protocol. So what we've done on top of Metaplex, instead of tokenizing an image or really in addition to tokenizing an image, uh, we can we can tokenize code. Um, and out of this like very simple idea, a, a lot of like interesting product uh, falls out, out of it. Um, and, and kind of like, you know, uh, the first story that we've been telling and build, building with a technology is kind of this like decentralized um, full stack kind of application um, ecosystem. So if you take a look at like Web3 apps today and you take a look at like, you know, how are they attacked? Um, where are the points of censorship? Um, where are like a lot of the unsolved problems? Um, it basically falls into, um, uh, I think like kind of two things, basically. So the front end is the first thing. The front end is like kind of the low-hanging fruit um, for for attacks in various ways, shapes, or forms, right? Whether it's like, you know, um, uh, Web2 products like, you know, Twitter censoring people, or whether it's, you know, um, things like Uniswap.com, where they are the, like, gatekeepers to whatever, you know, uh, you know, Whatever, whatever markets are being listed in, in, inside that, um, and so wouldn't it be cool if we had like a decentralized like app store and a decentralized application ecosystem? Um, so in comes this like concept of an XNFT, and that's like kind of the first like step um, to this. And when you start thinking about this, well, you think, well, how do I get the entire world to use this, right? And it's not really enough to just have a protocol. You actually need to have like um, a full stack like UI, right? You need like an iPhone. You need like a product. You need like a sensible host to run this new system, right? So in comes backpack to this. So um, the starting point of backpack is a wallet, but I really don't like to describe it as a wallet because that's kind of just like table stakes for the way we think about the product. And then the question is like, well, what is backpack, right? Um, and the analogy that like I like to use and like, you know, bear with me for a moment because I think this analogy is like, it sounds like a bit like ambitious like to start, but I actually think it's like the right way of thinking about this. Um, so, you know, the analogy I like to use is that of the iPhone. You know, when, if you look at like the messaging around the iPhone when it first started, like what did Steve Jobs say, right? He basically said, oh, yeah, you have the internet in your pocket. It's like, okay, well, like, what, what does that mean? You have the internet in your pocket, right? It's like, oh, it's like you ask a bunch of questions, right? Oh, is it a router? Is it a switch? Uh, is it a browser? Is it a competitor to AOL? It's like, no, 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 it's none of these things. So, like, you're, you're making it overcomplicated. It's just a phone, right? Uh, it's like, okay, that's a phone. I, can, I could call people. I could text people. Um, I could have a contactless. Um, and, and, and that makes a lot of sense, right? And I could attach that to like the, the things that were happening at the time and, and the competitors like BlackBerry and, and Nokia and all that stuff, right? Uh, but then you say, but then you might ask Steve Jobs, okay, it's a phone, right? And it's like, no, 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 it's not just a phone, right? There's so much more you can do uh, with an iPhone, right? You actually you have your calendar on it. You have like Safari on it. Um, you have all this rich developer tooling on it. Um, and you have this like nice app store on it. And you have this entire new 
ecosystem that was built um, on this primitive uh, uh, of an iPhone, right? All these new developer SDKs, this new app store, this new ecosystem, right? Where you had things like Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all this crazy stuff that was built, all the mobile games. And, wh- and what did that do, right? It's like, it, well, it created a new ecosystem or a new medium for developers to, to, to build stuff on. Uh, but it didn't just do that, right? It actually solved a lot of the security-related problems at the time. Because I don't know if you remember, like before the iPhone, you would basically like, you know, you, you go to websites and basically constantly get viruses, right? You would like, you know, download the wrong thing on LimeWire or whatever, and like your, your computer would die or whatever. That's like, I don't know, I did that several times. Um, I was like, totally dumb kid. Um, and, um, and, I, and I view like a lot of what we're doing with Backpack is like something very similar. It's like, you know, um, you know not only, okay, we have a wallet, right? But we're, we're a wallet in the same way that like, you know, the, the iPhone, it's, it's a phone, right? It's like, that's kind of just like the starting point. Um, there's so much more to kind of the product than just like the wallet. So uh, we have the wallet to start and, you know, you can view your NFTs, you can view your tokens, you can swap, um, you can bridge multi-chain and, and that's kind of like the starting point. Um, but then on top of this, we have this XNFT ecosystem that we've been building. So, so here we have a bunch of things, right? Like I said earlier, we have the smart contracts, we have the developer SDKs um, in like React Native to, to build all, all, all the UIs. We have this new XNFT store that we've built, um, which is trying to provide this like curated app store like experience um, so that mom and pop and people can like use XNFTs in a way where they don't have to question it. Um, so, you know, if I see Magic Eden on the XNFT store, I should be able to guarantee that that is indeed uh, Magic Eden. And then of course we have things like um, Explorers um, and the underlying protocol for developers and advanced users to eject out of because, you know, truly like with the spirit of Web3, it's important that this stuff is permissionless, right? So I very much view what we're building as like this permissionless protocol and this permissionless system all open source, but then with these nice curated hubs on it to kind of like really usher in uh, mass adoption. Um, and this story is like starting to take shape, right? But this is really just like the starting point um, for Backpack and XNFTs. So XNFTs really as applications. But the whole like next phase and, and what we've been transitioning to basically over the past like month or so is building the first examples of XNFTs, not as applications, uh, but as digital collectibles. So these are like these 10K profile picks like DGen Apes or DGods that everybody um, loves and adores and that we're all kind of used to and have taken like the world by storm over the past year. Um, and so kind of what we're working on right now is well, we're updating the protocol to be able to build these 10K collections so that we have this nice, incredible um, user experience where when you open a backpack and you see your NFTs and you when you click on your NFT, you don't just see your token metadata, you actually go into the token-gated application experience. So we're actually infusing the application and binding it to the artwork itself. So everything you want to do with your community, you can do through XNFT. So whether it's like a holders chat, whether it's Twitter spaces, whether it's creator-specific marketplaces, uh, whether it's staking, whether it's a merch store, whether it's games, whatever you want to do with your community, any type of digital token-gated experience, you can do it with XNFTs. So we're doing a a new collection, the One Collection, um, and we're doing it to dog food the product, right? We want to build a community. We want to go through the dance of building an NFT project because NFTs are awesome. But what we're really doing is like, um, it's shipping this product so that we can bring this to like, you know, whatever NFT communities uh, find this compelling. So I'm super excited about this. Um, and then now the app is like starting to like form, right? So we have a wallet, we have a cross-chain wallet, we can do all this stuff with it. We have XNFTs as applications. We have things like, you know, um, Flappy Bird in there. We have things like Double Diffusion, which is like this stable diffusion thing that um, uh, Gajesh built. You know, we have things like, you know, um, uh, you know DeFi products. Um, now we have XNFTs as digital collectibles and token communities are, or excuse me, NFT communities are now living inside of Backpack. Um, we ha- and we have all these 
APIs and services now that we're starting to build around all this stuff. So the idea is that we have this developer platform where you know you can kind of get rid of pub keys, you can get rid of all this low-level stuff, but we could have cross-chain user identity um, and the social services that developers can now hook into. So if I want to create like Flappy Bird with my friends, I can now do it and I don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? So I'm super excited about bringing all this stuff together to, um, to build kind of like a social first Web3 experiences. And that's like a lot of the stuff that we're working on right now. And so this next release is really going to be a bang banger. It's going to have XNFTs as digital collectibles, applications, all the wallet stuff, Solana, Ethereum. Um, we don't quite have bridging yet, but that's coming. Um, and then all the social features. We're going to have like holders chats, peer-to-peer DMs, um, we have we have a version of Twitter Spaces built, but that's like coming in the future. Maybe like, let's not worry about that for now. Uh, <laughs> but we're building all these all these primitives. All of it's open source, and anybody can hook into it to build their applications. And I'm super excited for it. Um, and like the way I think about Backpack is like what we're trying to build. It's like okay, there, it's a developer platform, but really what it is, it's a network in its own right. And it's not a blockchain network, but it's a network in the same way that like Twitter is like a network. It's a, it's a bunch of people that come together and can have this kind of like two sided marketplace between like developers developers and users to have like rich, um, you know, uh, experiences that we think will like, like kind of fuel like, um, you know, the next wave of innovation and adoption. So yeah. um, that's kind of like, you know, long story short. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Not short story long. <laughs> it's exactly. It's, uh, it's not overly ambitious at all. But like, I mean, I think if any of history has shown us anything that like you guys are going to execute on this and like, it's super exciting to hear, honestly, just your level of excitement here. Um, we're going to wrap things up. But like before we do that, I always like to ask this question, and it's like, what what is Armani's advice for newer devs getting into Web three and Solana? Like, it just what is the short and sweet advice that you would have for anybody coming into this space right now that's looking to get involved and build? Oh man, um, okay, I don't know if I can do it short, but the sweet advice I would say is. First, everybody's friendly. Um, everybody's going to feel like an outsider when they first join. I felt like an outsider, but just like jump in, go to events, talk to people, um, contribute to open source as a total aside. All of our hires basically came through open source, but our last one in particular is really unique because he just kept opening up PRs to backpack and me and Tom, one of the other engineers on our team, were like, who the heck is this guy, right? Um, he's like amazing. He's just like random. Like, there's like no help. We gave him zero help. He just started like contributing code. Um, and you know, we called him, and within 24 hours, we gave him an offer. Um, and it's really that meritorious. Um, and I would, so I would just say, like, get into it. You don't need to like feel like you know anything. Um, just like go for it. Um, and you know, I would say that like, you know, I wouldn't worry so much about the blockchain stuff or the crypto stuff. I would just say like, it's all just as tech. It's all just like programming. It's all just CS. Um, the people like, I think. At least one thing I struggled a lot with when I first like came into the space is like all of the jargon and all of like kind of the the, the magic like dust that people would throw around. Um, but it's really not that different from Web two. Um, you know the systems are different. Maybe the value systems are different. Um, but from a technical perspective, if you're a good Web two developer, you'll be a great Web three developer. So I wouldn't worry about that. Um, and I would just say like you know just just get started. Like I think um, yeah that, that's a that's the short and sweet advice. You pretty much nailed all the points that that I like truly think myself and um but anyways man uh it's great to have you on like i know you've been insanely busy so i'm just glad to be able to um grab some of your time and i'm sure everybody else who's watching this is also going to feel the same way but thanks again man um and we'll talk to you soon cool thanks Chase. bye